Yeah, everything's good. Okay. Then let's begin. in the mirror and I seen like a dark figure it was like as real as I'm seeing you behind me in the mirror and the Lord picked up my own hand touched my forehead I fell to the ground got up and that figure left and I was like what? what's going on hello my friends and welcome to the show on behalf of Disciple of City I'm Todd Carlton and this is the Toddcast For information on how you, your organization, or your church can be equipped to share the gospel and make disciples, go to everydisciplesent.ca or send an email to information at discipleacity.ca. Don't forget to follow the Toddcast along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. And friends, have you downloaded the United Hive app yet? The United Hive app is designed to connect believers all over the world and allow you to share testimonies of encounters, encouragement, prayer, healing, all that great stuff. The United Hive app is available at the Apple Store and for Android. My guest today is coming up to see me from the Durham region area. He has his own podcast called The Way, which is also on YouTube. He also leads an outreach in Oshawa, Ontario, and we've done some ministry together. Please welcome Sosa Inabulele. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, welcome to the show, man. Man. I am so excited to be here. You know, I wrote that out and said it, and you said I said it perfectly, and then as soon as the music came on, I got nervous I was going to blow it. (laughs) (laughs) No, you didn't blow it, Todd. It's good to see you, man. And it's good to see you, too. And everyone, Sosa showed up with a coffee for me. Yes. You're one of the elite. Yes. It did begin with Anne-Marie. Yep. Episode two, season one. Mm -hmm. I watched that episode. Our beloved Mm Anne-Marie. Now, uh, Daniel Bureau kind of trumped everybody because he's, he's uh, got a coffee shop, so he brought me a bag of beans and Dang. a flat white. Dang. But, you know. I, I just knew that I had to be one of the lead <laughs> on the Toddcast. And you are Come on. well noted. Well noted. <laughs> Man, so let's, uh, dude, let's go back to the beginning for you talk about how you grew up where you grew up and and as far as faith goes what that was like for you um for me i grew up in a christian household my mom's a strong believer my dad is not a believer but he's like he's just in the middle you know he goes to church with my mom and they pray but like my faith beginning actually started before i was even born so it was just like this weird this weird story or just a God story that happened that like my grandma was living in Nigeria and my mom was in the state, like my mom was in Canada and my grandma got this word from a guy at her church that said, Hey, like your daughter's pregnant and the person like the baby that she's carrying, God is going to use to do great things. And I was that baby. And my grandma had to my knowledge had no, knowledge that my mom is pregnant and then she found out through that prophecy and i'm here across the world across the prophecy from across the world so did you uh so growing up as a as a kid like obviously your your mom taking you to church and stuff like that as you got into your teenage years and stuff how how did that play out as you started to see what the world was really all about I like was just a rebel. Like I was, um, even though like I had that prophecy in my life, I didn't know until I was 16, 16, 17. But when I was younger, um, I just had, as my mom would tell me, like crazy encounters with the Lord where I'll like be like probably early childhood, five to six, waking up in the night, 
going to my mom and saying, hey, I just had a dream. I was walking with the Lord. And it was like consistent dreams. And like even before school, my mom used to tell me, um, I'll tell her exactly what was going to happen. And then it would happen. And then she's like, what the heck? And it was like, this was a consistent thing. And I kind of like grew up in the like in the glory, not um, I grew up in like a Benny Hinn type of church. I grew up in a church called Christ Embassy. The head pastor is like a mega pastor. His name is Pastor Chris. And I just grew up seeing people get up from wheelchairs, blind eyes see, AIDS disappear, like all these diseases off the board, just gone. Wow. But I personally didn't believe it because like, this is a hoax. You know, when you're like a, a, a child and like there's other people influencing you. So I'd go to these services, like these all night crusades and my mom would drag me because I had asthma and so she was like wanting me to get healed and stuff. And I like, my mom would drag me to this all night crusades. And I'm like, this is a hoax. Like, why are people falling? Why are people like, how, how old were you? I was like in middle school, probably like eight, eight, eight eight or nine when she started like, dragging me like my earliest memories like into um, your early teens yeah into my like until until like i was 17 dragging me to church but she did take me when i was like in grade six seven into this thing called healing school it was with christ embassy and that's where is this is this in toronto this or durham in, region this is toronto. In toronto um this is in toronto but he has like branches all over the world but he would come to Canada twice in a year for this these healing crusades. And so you have to sign up for the school. The school is completely free. So my mom took me there for two weeks. And that's when I realized that it wasn't a hoax. I didn't give my life to Christ at that point, but I knew it wasn't a hoax because I was in the school with sick people. Like I was seeing like um, buses come like that like uh the disability buses and all that stuff come and dragging people into the church and some of them were just on like bed stretchers and they were just staying there for the two weeks learning the word of god learning like hey like this is how you walk out healing this is like the faith and it was just like it was crazy to see like this was actually happening like these were not staged people these were not like people who were paid they were actually just coming because they actually had faith that God would heal them. And I had like really bad asthma that like asthma that I, I couldn't do any sports. My brother and sister were like D one aspects. Like they were traveling around the world, getting offers and I couldn't do sports because I had such bad asthma. And so my mom took me to this, this healing school. Two weeks came, pastor Chris walks out and I remember in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to fall. This is fake. And he walks out, people are falling under the anointing. He looks at me and he blows on me and I fall. I couldn't, like, <laughs> I couldn't even hold myself. I dropped like a bag of bricks. What do you, what do you mean he blew on you? Like, he was like, Whew, and I just straight to the ground and I oh. got up and I was like, I just started running. Like, that was like my first response. I just started running and I was like, I can breathe. I can breathe. And I was like, whoa, I can breathe. And I was like, now I'm bawling because I, I can breathe. Like I just got healed and I went home. I took my puffer and I put on like the highest shelf. I've been healed ever since. Wow. Amen. Now, just to, just to jump back a little bit, you're, you're going to a church with your mom and you had said that you had seen people get up out of wheelchairs and all that kind of stuff, but you didn't believe any of it. So what you're young and I was like, I was young. And then there was like all these other kids that were saying, this is fake. So it was like in the church, in the church. And it was like that seed of doubt that I was like, yeah, maybe this is fake. Maybe this is not, not, um, not the Lord. Maybe this is just like a money scam. So I was like, that was all going through my brain. And I, like at that time I had no real connection with the Lord. I was struggling with abandonment, rejection, and this, all this stuff that was like going from what, like, since like my brother and sister were so good at basketball, um, my mom and dad put majority of their time with them because they were traveling, they were going through, going through um, schools for scholarship, and and my my brother was moving to the states for prep school, and my sister was was traveling to go check out schools for all this stuff, and I just felt abandoned. I felt not seen, and it's not because my parents didn't give me like a good life. They they did. 
but it was just like that spirit of rejection came upon me. That was your interpretation of what was going on as a kid. Like no one loved me. No one sees me. Yeah. And I just became self, just like self-destructive. Like I did not let anyone in. I thought that I had to get everything myself and I became like angry at the world. So this is, this is before going to this healing school. This was before, like this was like majority of my life. Okay. Like in this, in this like dictatorship of, I have to rule and I have to be the strongest guy around. Yeah. And so I just built this like false persona of my mom doesn't like me. My brothers don't like me. My sister doesn't like me. Um, no one loves me. And I'm just this unlovable person. And so since all of that stuff was going on, I was just like in bondage to rage. So I was always fighting in school. I was getting suspended, always a bad kid. It was just like, that was my story. So then your mom brings you to this, this school. She, yeah. Even in the midst of it. Okay. So you said there you're seeing these, these buses coming and people. So even in that, did you doubt that at the moment until you had your experience or were you starting to believe that? Cause you're seeing these people. I was like in the, in the first couple of days, I was like, Hey, maybe these are paid actors, but like, like after like five, six days, I was like, okay, this is real. But it, it was, I knew it was real, but it, I didn't have a concept of the gospel. So I knew this was real, but I was like, I don't, I'm not giving my life to this. I just thought it was like, it was like, it was like knowing, um, how do I explain this? It was just like knowing that my, my friend lives like down the street. I know that he lives there, but it doesn't mean I'm always going to go to his house. Right. So I'm just like, yeah, I know this is real, but so what? There's a lot of other things that are like real, you know, if that makes sense. I'm just like. I'm not going to give my life to this thing just because it's real. Cause I didn't have like the eternal change. I never had like the, like the gospel explained to me. Okay. So what happened when you got free of asthma? Did you then give your life to this no, or what? No, I was still bitter, rejected. I, I hated everyone going to school fighting. Even after that, after that, like even after me getting healed, oh. I hated the world. And I was like, I was a menace <laughs> in my school, like just going around bullying kids, like swearing at teachers, literally being an, in, in, in a school. And I, I, I believe it was just like a, like a demon, like a blackout. And Todd, you know, I'm very skinny and I'll be mopping kids 10 times bigger than me. And I'll come back to two and they're on the floor. I'm like, what happened? So I was just in this like, demonic rage for years and i was like just bound to to pleasing people to finding trying to find someone who loves me bound to like sexual morality and just like all of my emotions were rooted in anger so i was just like this ball of of sin and just anger and hate walking around and i was like i'm never going to be free i'm always going to live like this and i also had like this this mindset of failure because so much people were trying to amount me to my older brother and sister since they were so successful in what they were doing. And I was just like, I'm never going to be like this. So I was flunking classes. I was barely passing by, but I was like, I just had this, this mindset that I'm still going to get it by myself. So I was just working a lot, making money. Um, but I, I was still flunking in school. So you carried this on throughout the rest of your high school days? In um no. I grade ten I had um an encounter with the Lord that just rocked me, but I still didn't give my life to the Lord. Um so in the midst of grade ten, me and my mom started feuding, like fighting all the time. And my heart became so bitter that like it it like deceived me into a place where I'm like, I hate her. So I couldn't even be around her. I'm just like, you don't love me. And I know you don't love me. So I don't even want to be around you. So the minute that I like that, that lie took a root in my heart, I felt like I was homeless in a home. So I was like, even though I had a house, I felt like a stranger. I'll sit in my room and just like watch anime all day. 
and just no one would talk to me. I would do nothing. It just felt like I was, I secluded myself. I was like, this is not my home. And, but in the midst of it, my mom took me to church and I couldn't say no because I was still technically living under her roof. So she just kept on taking me to church, kept on bringing me to church. And then they, they announced that they were having this church camp. So I went, I went, they were a, in all honesty, there were like girls at my church that I thought they were attractive and they were going to the church camps. I was like, score, I, I'm, I'm away from my mom and I get to talk to these cute girls. So I, <laughs> so I go to the camp and um, God sent me one of my best friends. Her name is Oshis. Her and her sister, first day, walked up to me. And it was like during the nighttime, they walked up to me and they started airing out my life. And I didn't even know anything about the gifts of prophecy. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. And never don't even read my Bible. They start airing out my life. And I feel naked. I'm like, how do you guys know this? I don't even know you guys. And I got so scared. I thought they were angels. So I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was like about to get, like I thought it was the end for me. So I started running away. But at that camp, since I had this like self, self-hatred, um, I also had this thing where I had to mark territory. Like I had to show these guys at the camp that I'm like, you can't mess with me. So I would like start fights and I'll start like bullying kids at this church camp to show them that like I'm the top of the food chain. And in the midst of that, but it's, it was a Christian camp, not a prison. It was a Christian <laughs> camp, but like, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to explain this, but like we look back on it, look back at it. That church camp was full of broken kids. Yeah. But we met the Lord. Yeah. Which Come on. was like crazy. Like every kid in there were like, they had my type, like, like all the guys that were my age had my type of story in that camp. And we were broken. So it's like, imagine like having probably like, like 13, 20 kids that have this broken mindset of like, I have to get everything by myself. I have to show people that I'm strong. I have to show people that I'm not weak, even though you're, you're hurting inside. Yeah. And then you put them in one camp. Now you have all these, all these broken kids that need to prove to these other broken kids that you can't mess with me. And that was like my mindset with everything, like my whole life. Like I need to be the toughest guy out here. And so I'm at this church camp acting like it's a prison yard. So I'm like, yeah, like if you mess with me, I'm gonna beat you up. Like all, like all that, all that stuff going on. And in the midst of it, I also start leading worship in the camp. I was like, um, well, like, I knew some songs because I used to go to church. So I used to get the mic and just start screaming. And then like, we'll have like this, this worship party. But then after that was done, I was fighting with kids. And then in the midst of fighting with kids, these girls kept on prophesying over my life. So it was just like this whirlpool of like, yeah, what the heck is going on? So I was like, I was, I was trying to not break in front of people, but I was also encountering the Lord through the worship sets at, at this camp. And then these girls started like telling me things about my life, like come up to me, like you have issues with your mom, like things that no one should know. Yeah. And I'm just like, what's going on? And so at the end of the camp, um, at the end of the camp, I, I get in a fight with this kid and I get a Bible verse in my brain and I, I didn't knew nothing about the Lord. And I, I go to this kid and I open up the Bible. I go to a leader. I was like, give me a Bible. I, I think I have, I have to tell this kid this thing. So I go to the Bible. I tell him, I tell him the verse that I, I just that popped in my brain and he just starts weeping. So this is like, you had a fist fight with him or an argument? Like an argument. And like we were, and then, um, I go to him and I'm like, I think I have a verse for you because they made us reconcile to camp and I got a verse for him and he just starts weeping. Mm. And then I go to this, I go to these girls right after and I'm like, I realized that like they weren't special because I did what they did to me to someone else. Yeah. And I was like, I literally said, ha ha, I can do what you guys do. And then after that, even though this thing was real to me, I didn't, I didn't give my life to it. And I just went on, I went on, to high school doing the same thing sleeping with girls getting suspended flunking school working all the time secluding myself in my room and then grade grade 11 going grade 11 summer going to grade 12 
I go back to that camp. And I don't know how I got there. All I, I, I knew one of the, the one of those same girls that were um, that prophesied for my life called me or texted me like, hey, are you coming to camp this year? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come. And so we went to camp, and this time it's the same thing, but now it's like even worse because I already made my name at, at the campground. Like, this guy will fight you, fist fight you, lie about you, make rumors about you, and then now these broken guys are also trying to become the top of the food chain. And now there's a fight to see who's the manly man at the camp. But we started going there and these guys at the, like the leaders started like, just actually started telling us about the Lord. And now I'm getting convicted. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to give my, my life to this thing. So I'm also reading the Bible at the camp or yeah, we're reading the Bible at this camp. And, um, but I'm also, again, fighting with these kids. And there was like this, I made a rumor about this guy and he got vivid and he comes into my room and tries to like, we, he tries to brawl, leaders swarm in and we sit there. There was like 10, 10, 10 people in that room. And they asked me, did you make this rumor about him? I'm like, no. And cause I was a pathological liar at that time. And so they're like, put your hand in the Holy Bible if you didn't make this rumor. And for some reason, I couldn't. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't lie. At that moment, I'd done it before, but at that moment, I couldn't. And then they're like, let's pray. So we're praying. And in the midst of prayer, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, I want to kill this guy, man. I'm like, I want to beat the brakes off him. And then one of my friends, I have no, I didn't know language about it. One of my friends falls into the spirit. And he's just like going nuts, like spazzing. And he looks at me and he says, let go. And then I was like, okay. And then in that moment, the spirit of the Lord came and put me on like a glove. And I like, it was like, I don't, it was like, he possessed me. It was like third person. I couldn't stop what I was saying and I couldn't control my body. So he put me on like a glove and then he starts prophesying, casting out demons and healing the sick in the room. And I'm watching him doing this, but I can't stop it. So like my, my, one of my camp leaders had, was, was um, supposed to get surgery on her leg. And I see the Lord pick my body up and walk towards her. And he touches her. She falls to the ground, instantly healed. He's, there's kids in, in, the, in the room. And he is starting to cast out demons out of them through my mouth. And I can't stop it. And then he starts prophesying about out of my lips about what he wants me to do. And it was like, it was like a long, thick prophecy. And it was like so surreal. It was like, it was like something that comes out of like a Pierre Flix movie, man. It was like he, the spirit of the Lord will leave my body and I'll pass out because it was like so heavy and then it'll come again and then it'll leave and it'll come again. And that lasted for like 30 minutes. And then the final moment it left and they had to drag me out the room because I couldn't, I couldn't walk. It was like so heavy that my body was like, I'm exhausted. So I couldn't walk. And so they, they dragged me out. And I remember this, like it was yesterday. They dragged me out, out, out of my cabin to go to the main, to main hall. And they were carrying me. I'm like six, one at that time. And they were carrying me and I opened my eyes and it felt like I seen the world for the first time. Mm. It, it was like that saw moment. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, I, it was like, it was like the world was beautiful again. And this was like probably the funniest thing I, that the Lord ever did to me. I remember I had to use the bathroom after and I went to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I seen like a dark figure. It was like as real as I'm seeing you behind me in the mirror. And the Lord picked up my own hand, touched my forehead I fell to the ground, got up, and that figure left. And I was like, "What? what's going on? And then after that happened, they were like, obviously, word travels quick in the camp. And all these guys like, did you hear what happened? So sad. And I was like, bro, I don't even know what's going on. And then there was like this mixture of people at the camp saying that wasn't God. And some people were saying that was God. And then the leaders had no language to explain what happened. Cause they're like, we never seen anything like that. Wow. They were trying to explain to me 
the gifts of the spirit. And they're like, we've seen you use every gift. And I'm like, bro, what does that mean? And so no one explained to me what happened, but all I knew was like, yo, I just met the Lord. And so I go back home and I'm like, again, this broken kid. And now I'm like, I'm like, my brain is now like changing because this happened to me. And I remember my sister picks me up from the camp and she instantly knows that something changed. She's like, yeah, what happened? I tell her what happened. And then she goes, tells my mom. Because I wasn't going to tell my mom. I was like, I was trying to figure this out. And she goes, tells, she, she goes and tells my mom. And my mom pulls me aside. She's like, I have to tell you something. I was like, what? She's like, the Lord spoke about you before you were born. And then I, I got freaked out. I was like, what do you mean? And then I started to think, like, this is all a setup. Like, he set me up. Like, he spoke about me before I even went through any of this stuff. Saying that he wanted me. Saying that he wanted to use me and he had a purpose for me before I was even conceived. And then that freaked me out. Like that, like that even like that was like a cherry on top. So now I'm in like grade 12 going back to school and I already have the identity of this broken, bad kid. Like no teachers wanted me in their class. I was in the office, that type of stuff. Hanging around with like people who are pushing drugs, like just a bad crowd. So I already, now I'm going back to school. I'm preaching the gospel. Like I'm telling people about Jesus. <laughs> like, like I'm telling people like, and I didn't even know, like I didn't know the gospel. Like I didn't, like I didn't know the Bible. I just told people about my encounter. Like that's all I knew to do. I was like, yo, I just met Jesus. And so I'm telling everyone about Jesus, but I was still in sin. Like I was still like talking to girls and doing all that stuff. But I'm still like, I'm like telling everyone about like, man, like this Jesus guy's real, man. And I'm just like now preaching the gospel. And in the midst of it, I I get accused for rape. Mm. And I'm just like, bro, what? <laughs> and so now, like, I, I'm in the midst of just, I might go to prison. So... So you go back to school and you're sharing your experience, yeah. but you're also still being promiscuous yeah, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then I get like accused for rape. That's heavy. And then, so it was like, there were, there was like, like there was like, um, they were trying to build a case. So I never got to go to the actual court, but like they were trying to build a case against me so I can go to court. And I just start bawling. I'm like, it's like, well, what's going on? I didn't tell my mom because I was scared. Like, I was only going to tell my mom if they, like, they actually officially got me a case. But since it was still in the building stage, I was like, bro, what am I supposed to do? And I had this chaplain, and her name was Miss Mustashi. God bless her. I went there every day, and I started weeping, just crying. I was like, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail. I started crying, and I started crying. I just started, like, bawling. And I remember it was like every day I used to walk from my house to school and I had this like, this, this thing. I'm like, are they going to, are they going to get me today? Are they going to like put me in the car and, and like send me to prison today? And it was just like this, this thing that kept on going. And I just, I went in my room and I closed the door and no one was home. And I said, Jesus, if you will get me out of this, I will give you my life. And and a voice came into my room and said, you're not going to jail. The moments, like months after everything just, just dropped. And obviously you didn't do what you I were accused do, of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, everything just dropped. And I, I sat there and I, I, I became angry at the Lord because it was this confusion seed that was sown that God did it. And I had no I had no gauge about spiritual warfare and that stuff. So I was like, God did this. I'm like, how could you do this when I was trying to spread your word? How could you do this when I was trying to give you my life? Like how did you even let me go through that? So I went on a we I went back to like rebellion, smoking, drinking, going nuts in the world. And then God sent those girls again into my life and they were preaching the heavy gospel to me for years, telling me like, yo, you have to give your life to the Lord. You have to, I'm like, no, leave me alone. No. To the point where like, I'll be smoking. And then like, we right before I start smoking, like the, like a voice will come to me and be like, don't smoke or drink. 
I'm like, I'm going to do it anyways. And it was every, like, there's one time when I did it and my mom called me right after I was done smoking. And I was like, what's going on? Should I come home now? I was like, what? Should I come home now? And I come home like hours later, not high or whatever. She's like, I know you're high. And I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, I know you're high. Just go to your room. I go to my room. I fall asleep and I have like a vivid dream. And the Lord came to me in the dream and he was like, if you don't stop smoking, you're going to get, um, you're going to like, you're going to get like a, like lung cancer. And he said, you won't die. And I woke up from the dream so scared because I was like, I was like, and I was like, okay. And I just, I quit smoking because I was like, that, that, that was so vivid. I'm like, I don't want to get lung cancer. I don't want to go through that process. So I just quit smoking because he just gave me that warning, but I still didn't give my life to him. So I just started drinking. I started pumping out drinking, pumping out the parties, pumping out living with, in, um, living in sin with the, with the girls. And my friend, her Oshis was pursuing me like crazy about the gospel. So in the midst of all of this, she like from, from, from grade 10, all the way until me going into college, she pursued me about the gospel more than four years. Her persistence was like actually one of the things that got me saved. And also my mom coming into my room within like from like all my life anointing me with oil when yeah. I was sleeping. So it was just like all this, like I had two mighty women of God pursue me about the Lord. And so I... I, I was in college. I was in college. So I was sleeping with all these girls, but they started to feel like dead corpse. And I was freaking out. Like, it was like, I was like, why do these girls feel dead? And so I call my friend, Oshis, and I tell her what's going on. Because, like, now I'm going through like an identity crisis. I'm like, I'm like the very one thing that gives me pleasure is feeling so disgusting. And she's like, her response is like, give your life to the Lord. I'm like, now, like, now it's really in my mind. And so I, I, I go on Instagram that same week and one of my boys, um, he just gave his life to the Lord and he was doing what I was doing. Like he was smoking, drinking, partying, all this stuff. And his Instagram pops up on my phone and he's preaching the gospel. And I'm just like, what's going on? So I message him and tell him all my, I tell him my story and he's like, come to my church. And I dodged for a month and I finally went. And the service wasn't life-changing. It wasn't like they preached a message that was, like, changing my life. I just went there because I was like, maybe, maybe, like, I'm just going to do this as, like, as, like, as, as, like, a good courtesy. I said, I'm going to come. So I, I went to go check it out. Service was okay. I actually had plans to, um, to go sleep with a girl after. But I ended up, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, I ended up, I ended up going into a, like, a, a basement prayer meeting. I don't know how I even got there, but I got there. And the same thing happened. These guys were praying for one guy. And they were like speaking in tongues and stuff. And I knew I could. I got the gift before I, I got saved. I got like, I don't know how this works, but I just got spiritual gifts before I actually accepted the Lord fully. And I don't know why he did it that way, but this happened. So I know I started speaking in tongues because they're speaking in tongues. And then again, I just started vomiting like words of wisdom and, and like doing deliverance on this guy. And I'm just like telling him like, yo, by tomorrow, this is going to happen. And I, and I don't know why I'm seeing it. It was like a voice was just telling me what was going on. And no one was telling me what the gift of prophecy was. Like, cause like no one, no one my age really knew what it was. Like we didn't know what was going on. So I was just telling him like, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. And I remember it was like, it was like 12 o'clock in the morning after I was done. I looked in the mirror and I was like, okay, I'm going to fully give my life to the Lord. And I did. And then that same week, I went to a church service, fire. It was, they, like, I got my first word. Someone gave me a word. And I was like, okay, um, that's cool. That's cool. And I, I ended up, wanting, I wanted to get baptized that week. And the guys that, that connected me to, um, to my friend Hansel, he was like he was my age, and he was baptizing people. His name was Hansel, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" Like you know, he's like in his twenties and he's baptizing people. So let me message him, and I messaged him, and he was like, he started texting me. He's like, "Yeah, we, you can actually get baptized on Sunday at my church." And I was like, "Okay," and he was like, "But we're having like this youth conference if you want to come." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." 
And I went on the first night. I don't remember what the guy was preaching on, but he pre- like he opened the altar. I ran. Like, I ran to the altar and I'm just like crying, like weeping. Just like, God, forgive me for everything that I've done. Like every, all my sins. And, and I'm like there weeping, weeping, weeping. Second night, same thing happened. Third night, I go to his church. His dad's mad pathetic. They didn't even know what was going on. And he starts airing out my life, man. He's like, God had stuff for you to do and you were running and, and all that stuff. Like things that I, only I would have knew. He, he prayed for me. I fell to the ground and and then I was never the same since. And so that was like 2018, 19. And I haven't looked back. You were running, running large. I was running large. Um, I laughed a little while back and not that it's funny, but it, but it is in a way. Cause like, <clears throat> I appreciate your brutal honesty on how you were living. Right. Because if, you know, if anybody's listening to the show, that's doesn't know the Lord, this is, this is the reality. This is truth, right? Yeah. People. Cause I had it pre faith, this misconception that everybody in the church that's in the physical building has everything together uh, and it's not true where you see these camps and it's all the, those kid church camps are all full of goody, goody kids or whatever the misconception is by the enemy. Right. And the reality is, like you said, there's a lot of broken kids going there or you're at a church service and you got plans to sleep with a girl when you leave the church. Like this is reality. And yeah, you ran. I like my testimony is that he was faithful from the minute that he spoke to my grandma to the day I gave my life to the Lord. Yeah. Like it was, I don't know how to explain it for like some people. It was like a choice, but I felt like I had no choice. Like it was like, if I don't give my life to the Lord, I'm done because he already, he spoke something so strong into my life that I couldn't deny it anymore. Like, I don't know. Like it's that verse that he says to Jeremiah, like before, before you were born, like I knew you and I created you to do this. And it's the same thing that he did with me. Like before I was born, before I even had a concept of Jesus or the cross or the blood, yeah. he spoke to my grandma and said, I am going to do amazing things through this young man and this through his life. And I grew up feeling rejected and broken. And there was no trace for me to do great things. Like no one in my high school, no one in, no one that knew me even thought that I'd do anything in my life other than go to jail or, or be a bum. Yeah. Other than my mom, you know, because, like, that's his parent to love. But, like, just friends and people I was close with, they just like, oh, this guy's just going to be a bum. And yeah. he's probably just going to end up in jail. Yeah, and in the world, that's what, what it is, right? People just give up on you. Yeah. So let's, so now let's go to where you're at today. So you've worked some jobs to support yourself and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But moreover than that, you started your own podcast yeah. in YouTube we were talking about called the way mm-hmm. which is so good yeah the thanks. way so share share with us about your podcast like what inspired you to do it and uh and what you're doing with that so it was just like a weird journey even to get to the podcast like the minute i got saved i was around these these like influencers of, of christians and they were just doing stuff like they were preaching and they were they were they were getting people um, involved with the church. They were doing all these like things that I, I liked, but I, I just got saved and I thought that I had to be like them. So I thought I had to start preaching, and the Lord's like, no. And so I just went through a season of the Lord's like, now just come and know me, just come and know me. And it was like, but I was posting like odd stuff, like I was posting like poems and I was posting like spoken words. Um, then for a season I was posting like little revelations that the Lord would give me. And then there was this one day in prayer where I just felt like, like a year ago now, I just felt like the Lord, I just like, I need to start speaking. I need to start like, you know, posting sermons or something on YouTube. And then the Lord just spoke to me in my private thing. He's like, no, make a podcast. And I was like, I was like no one listens to a podcast. Like podcasts are dumb. And I was like, <laughs> I was like literally like fighting with the Lord. I'm like, I'm like, I can't do this. And I remember that I just went on Google. I went on like Apple podcast and I just started like searching like the top 
Christian podcast. Cause I'm like, ain't no one going to listen to a Christian podcast. Did you find this one? Number one? No, sadly. No, no, it's not. I found, <laughs> <laughs> I found like a podcast number four or it was, number, it was like in a top 10 chart. It was called the just different podcast. And they were twenties. They were in their twenties, young, 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 young boys, young Christians. And they were spitting fire. And I watched their podcast and it gave me faith to do my podcast. And so I did, I did my start of my podcast. I, this, I, I asked, I, I had this burden on my heart that I didn't want to be like the rest of a, like the rest of like the Christian YouTube, because like some of them or the majority of them that I listen to, they cover like news and stuff, like what's going on in the world. And I, I said to the Lord, I'm like, if I'm going to start this podcast, I'm going to talk about things that people are not talking about. I'm actually just want, I just want to preach the gospel. And that's what I did. So I just started inviting my friends on my podcast and we just started talking about things that people were not talking about or things that I didn't understand, like purity or the blood of the, the blood of Jesus or why we should preach the gospel. So I just started like just talking about things that I found in my generation and I found around like my 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 spirit influence that no one was teaching on or talking about. I'm just like, let's have a, a raw and honest conversation about it. And then I've been doing it, took a break, and the Lord's like, pick it back up. And now I'm just full podcast mold. Awesome. Awesome. And you're also leading an outreach in Oshawa. So you live in down in Durham region right now. Yeah. So so tell us about your, your outreach. And are you just doing that on your own? Or are you involved with somebody no, down there? So you I just- will say I, I want to plug Disciple City because I moved down to Peterborough. And I started hanging out with you guys. And it was like this this overwhelming sensation of you have to go pre- spread the gospel. And like I couldn't like, like I moved down to Peterborough because I felt like the Lord's like moved down to Peterborough. So I did. And I started hanging out with you guys. And you guys are just full blown doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> and I was like, what's, I was like, what is this? And I was going through it. Like I was just going through like a weird season. And when I moved down here, like God just gave me a beautiful community, but he gave me a community that spreads the gospel. And so when I was here, all you guys did were tell people about Jesus. And I'm sitting here, I'm just like, yeah, like, I love people and I love the gospel, but like, I wasn't doing it like you guys are doing it. And it came to the point where it felt like if I wasn't spending the gospel, I felt like in our community, I'll be like a, a the odd one out. And not in a condemning way, not in a condemning way, but it's like in a way of this, like everyone's doing it. And if I don't do it, why am I not doing it? Like if everyone is already spreading the gospel, why would I not do it? And so I sat here, I'm just like, man, Kurt's doing it. Todd's doing it. Adam's doing it. Their kids are doing it. Everyone is doing it. And I'm just like, why am I not? So I just started doing it. And so I lived here. So I spread the gospel. So I trucking with you guys going to events serving with you guys and an overwhelming feeling that's kept on coming on me and i'll move back home and i i was asking the lord i'm like man i want to see revival in my my city yeah and he said go spread the gospel and i was like that's it he's like yeah he's like don't connect with any pastors don't go to any churches go on the streets and spread the gospel. So I called, called a couple of my friends. I asked Curtis, Hey, like I need some help. He came for a couple, couple weeks. And then after that, we just did it. We just put our boots to the floor and just started spreading the gospel. And then we go out every week. And the first couple of months were hard. Like it was dry. We were seeing nothing. <laughs> we were seeing any salvations. And I was just like, God, man, what's going on? Like this, this sucks. <laughs> And um, it was just recently where we decided seeing healings, deliverances, um, people getting saved. And it was just like, whoa. And now we're just, we're on this, we're on this, like, not this high, but we're just on this, this, this motion of every single person has to spread the gospel. And every single believer just has to do it in my city. Yeah. And since like all of us who are doing it are young, we, we also had this burden about um there just not there's not enough unity in my city. And we were like the pastors are not gonna do it. You know, like they're already and it's nothing against pastors, but I was like like 
you know, when their system's already created, they're like, okay, we're just going to do this system. And I sat with my friends, I'm like, we we have different denominations and, and we don't all go to the same church, but we all believe in the same God. We all believe in Jesus Christ. And this is, we have to do this in, in a way where we can create unity in our community yeah. and everyone can come and just feel welcome. Well, and pastors are meant to pastor too, right? Yeah. Like they can evangelize too, but they're meant to pastor. hundred percent. Yeah. And so if you're, if this is the first episode that you've listened to for us, this is what our ministry does is encourages and equips Christians to become disciple making disciples. But we like scripture, just love to see the unfolding of the fivefold ministry. Right. So this is awesome what you're doing down there and equipping other Christians to share their faith and it's awesome if you see salvations and deliverances, but sometimes it's just good to just pray for people and plant uh, seeds like, so. right? No, no goals there. Um, like, you know, other than serving him. Yeah, 100%. And then people get led to the Lord and then led to pastors and teachers to 100. be, you know, pastored over and equipped and all that. And hey, man, if you're not sharing the gro- the gospel, you're scrolling reels, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's it, man. And I think that's like, that's just the, that's it. I, we just want to see, we want to see a genuine move of God yeah. in our city. Cause it's like, it's a little, if you guys don't know Oshawa, like Oshawa is actually just completely demonized. Like it's like crazy, the homeless and just what you see down there. And I, I, just before we end, like I remember when we first started doing outreach, I was like, this place is too lost. I said that to the Lord. And the Lord reminded me, he said, did you see Jerusalem before I redeemed it? And I actually started to remember how bad Jerusalem was in the Bible, like how, what they actually did yeah. and what they went through. And the Lord said, if I can redeem them, how how much more can I redeem this city? They're not even, the city is not even close to what they did. Yeah. And when he said that to me, it actually like gave me like a, a shock. And I'm like, yeah, like this place is not as far gone. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sharing with us today. No problem, man. Uh, your podcast is called the way, Yes, the way, the way podcast, just the way, um, just the way, it's the way, just the way. Yeah. And YouTube, they search it the same. Um, yeah. Just search the way, search the way. If you search the way, you'll find the way. You'll find Sosa. <laughs> what your Instagram handle for everybody? It is underscore dot the way. Underscore dot the way. Yes. All right. So follow that along, friends, and, and check that out. Um, again, thanks for coming on the show. And thank you for having me. Yeah. It was a goal of this year. Amen. <laughs> and we're going to wrap this up because now I'm going to jump into your studio and yeah. be on the way. Yeah, you are. Amen. Amen. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, oh, hang on, man. Hang on. Ooh. Don't you listen? You know how this show ends. I know. Sosa was gearing up, take his headset off. He was going to bolt right out of here. <laughs> I got one more. I got one more question for you. It's really a fascinating story of how you got, you got healed from asthma. Mm. Still didn't follow the way. Nope. You went to this camp had this, these girls prophesy over you, still didn't follow the way. You had this crazy radical encounter of prophecy coming out of your own mouth, almost beyond your control, still didn't follow the way. What, what do you do if, what, what do you do if you, in your outreach and you come across a youth that you see have this radical encounter and then the next day you see them and they're not following, like they're still living off to the side, man. And what, what do you say to them to help them? Man, that, uh, I pray that they encounter the love of the Lord because that, that is what changed my life. It was like, it, well, it wasn't, it wasn't that, I didn't hear the gospel. It was like, I just never knew love. And so when I see someone who's broken and I know what, like, I just know what brokenness is and what it feels like, especially as like a young adult, not being seen, not feeling like anyone understands you. I, I go to the place where I once was and I tell them, man, 
there's a God who's there with you. And I pray. And I, my tactic is I pray. And I pray for them to receive the love of God and feel it. And when they do feel it, some, some kids are just like, what is this? And I tell them it's just a father's love. And it will change your life. That's, that's the only thing I could do is show them the love of the Lord. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. No problem, Todd. Appreciate you. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, that's such a heavy story of all those things happening in Sosa's life. And you would think they would be pivotal moments for people to completely surrender. But he didn't, and some people don't, and they keep running. But he keeps pursuing. You can try to run away from the Father's love, but you will just live in the brokenness and the despair. So friends, both Sosa and I would just like to encourage anyone who's running... Stop running. Behold his glory. Open your heart and give him your life. It's the best decision ever.